Welcome to Sailorville Church. Would you stand with us? Sing together. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came onto the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am, as it is written about me on the scroll. I have came to do your will, O God. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sailorville Church and for our annual, to our annual Good Friday service, and if you're visiting with us, we're certainly thrilled to have you and uh, trust that you'll give your heart's attention to this, uh, really the highest moment and the most important time on the Christian calendar, and that is this weekend that we celebrate the death tonight and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so... I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, in your knowledge of God, in your understanding of God, but I trust you'll have a little more knowledge tonight. And some of you may be on the very brink of trusting the living God through his son Jesus tonight. And if that's the case, uh, we want to make a, a, a special, um, give you a special opportunity to receive him tonight as we trust the rest of you will be Educated. Our theme this weekend is what makes the gospel good news. Uh, the word gospel means just that. It means good news. And what is it that makes it good news? Uh, the answer is very clear. You just heard it read from the scripture. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he raised again from the dead according to the scriptures. Again, this is according to the scriptures. This is the good news, that Christ died and rose again, and we must both believe and receive that truth if we want to have a personal relationship with him. Let me just ask you this evening, do you like drama? Do you like a storyline that has a drama connected to it? I do, and I have to tell you that when it comes to the sports world, I'm a sports enthusiast, and, and I can... I can can't think of a story that's more compelling to me, and it's, a, it's an old one, nearly 100 years old now, than the story of Eric Little. Eric Little was a, a, a runner uh, for Great Britain, and he won the gold medal in the 400 meters in the 1924 Paris Olympics. But if all I told you this evening was that Eric Little won the gold medal in the 400-meter race in the uh, 1924 Olympics. You might say, okay, so what? Or some of you would say, okay, cool, whatever. But if you knew the drama that surrounded this event, then you would appreciate it all the more. And some of you think you know all the drama, and you certainly do know some things about it, but I guarantee even those who think you know the story, you don't know the whole story. So, for instance, did you know that Eric Little was a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Studied for ministry. And, in fact, he loved to run. In fact, he said he felt God's pleasure whenever he ran. His first love, though, was the gospel and world missions. In fact, one year after this event, he would be in China serving the Lord until he died, and he would die for his faith in Jesus Christ. Did you know that his conviction 
to honor the Lord was so powerful that it superseded even the thing he loved to do the most, namely to run. So that without hesitation, when word came that that the heat he was going to run in, and he was favored to win the gold medal in the 100 meter. He He was a sprinter. He was favored to win the gold medal in the 100 meter race. He was the world favorite. And when news came to him that his heat to qualify for the gold medal was to be run on Sunday, without hesitation, Eric Little said, then I won't run. And that's how he became known as the man who would not run on Sunday. He forfeited his gold medal. Did you know that the, and some of you do because you you read the book or uh, you watched the movie, Chariots of Fire, you know that there was tremendous pressure put on him to not, to just forego his conviction, run the race, do it for the glory of Britain, so to speak. But he refused to do so. And as for those Olympics themselves, the 1924 Olympics, it, it included a star-studded cast of Americans, including the very first African-American to run in an Olympic race and win the gold. It would also include uh, a, a man who won three gold medals in the pool, Johnny Weissmuller, you older ones will remember him. He was the one who would later be known as the movie star Tarzan. He was in this one. You should know that the 400 meters that Eric Little ran in was a long race, and he was a sprinter. He was not fully trained for this, and therefore was not expected to run and to win. In fact, they thought he would flame out in about 50 meters. I'll bet most of you didn't know that France at that time was undergoing a crippling heat wave. Most of the Olympics were 100 degrees and higher. One day registered 113 degrees. A couple of days earlier, in the 10,000-meter race, less than half the runners even finished the race. And the ones that did were being carted off into ambulances. Several nearly died. All that in the same one. You should know that Eric Little, when he ran in that race, that epic race... He was put on the outside, the worst lane you could run in. And he was right next to an American who held the world record, having set it the day before. You should know that at the very beginning of the race, the crowd was so deafening. It was so loud that... The starter had to yell at the crowd and ask them to be quiet so the runners could hear the gun go off. And then they said it turned into a church service. It was that quiet. And you should know that it was a masseuse who inspired Eric Little by giving him a famous passage of Scripture just before he ran. The masseuse being inspired by his conviction. So why not just say, Eric Little won the gold medal in the 400 meter race in 1924? Because there's no drama in that, right? 
the reading of the scripture you heard, 1 Corinthians 15, I want you to know the gospel by which you receive, by which you stand. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again from the dead again according to the scriptures. There's no, there's no drama in that text. It's just fact. There's no drama in that passage of scripture. It just tells you what you got to believe. The drama is laid out in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it actually began, the drama that is, in the other passage that John read. When in that passage in Hebrews chapter 10, we get a look into the contemplation of God himself in eternity past when the triune God planned his rescue of you and me. When he said, and Hebrews 10, 5 says this, a body you have prepared for me. You see, God, the Bible says, is a spirit. And those who worship him have to, have to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. God is not a man. He's not a, he's not a body. He had to take on a body in order to endure the things that you and I have endured and eventually to die. The bread that we're about to receive, those of us who know God, who know Jesus, represents the body of Jesus Christ. That which God took upon himself, flesh. We call it the incarnation, the infleshliness of God. And it was in that body that Jesus ate, he drank, he slept, he cried, he loved, he prayed, he resisted sin and temptation. It was in that body that he endured no faith, weak faith, little faith, false faith, false accusations and others. It was in that body that he endured beating and scourging and a crown of thorns even allowing the soldiers to move him around a game board, no less, in mockery. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And through it all, in his body, the Lord Jesus, it was in that body that the Lord Jesus obeyed the law of God perfectly, unlike you, unlike me. In fact, Jesus once said, don't think that the Son of Man came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Until heaven and earth passes away, not one jot or tittle will pass from the law until all is fulfilled. And Jesus Christ, in his body, fulfilled all righteousness. Again, unlike you and unlike me. The Bible says we have all sinned and we've come short of the glory of God. Jesus never sinned. And as R.C. Sproul so aptly put it, Jesus didn't just have to die for our sins. He had to live for our righteousness. Because if Jesus had not lived a perfect life, then he could not have died a sacrificial death, not on our part anyway. This is what makes 
the gospel, good news. We have a good God. And none of us are good. Sorry to break the news to you. But Jesus was, is, and always will be. Listen carefully. Jesus lived a life you couldn't live so that you could have a life that wouldn't die. Jesus lived a life you couldn't live so that you could have a life that wouldn't die. That's what is depicted in the bread that we're about to distribute. And you should know that I'm not going to pronounce a blessing over this to make it any holier for the taking tonight. These are symbols. Symbols of the body of Christ and, as we'll talk about in a few moments, the blood of Christ. And this is meant, this is intended to be taken by Christians. Not people who've been to church, not people who have been baptized, not people who have been through confirmation or many other things, but those who have repented of their sin, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, recognized that they are sinners and that He is not. He's a Savior. He's a worthy Savior. And He's worthy because of His dynamic life. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, this is a time for you to enjoy. This is a time for you to worship him. And when, you, when the bread is passed, and if you take the bread because you're a Christian, this is a time for you to think about, don't think about Jesus on the cross. Think about Jesus in life. Think about the Jesus who is tempted in every way that you've been tempted, in every way that I've been tempted, and never once capitulated, never once gave in, never once sinned. And as you hold that bread in your hand, you think about your own life. And you think about your own temptations, your own sins, your own failures. And you confess those to God. And you thank Jesus for his dynamic, perfect sinless life as the lamb without spot and without blemish. If you've never trusted Jesus, this is the night to do so and we'll give you that opportunity to do so. But as we get ready to distribute the bread, we'll sing another song, but let's just pray together. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you so very, very much for the drama of the life of Jesus Christ. We have facts in front of us here, Lord, that Christ came, that Christ died, that Christ rose from the dead, and we must believe him. But we thank you for his life and that in his life he never gave in like we have. Thank you that in his life he lived perfectly. Thank you that in his life, though tempted as we have been, he never gave in and thus became the ultimate example for us. We pray, dear God, 
that you would forgive us of our sins. We pray that you would help us to see Jesus in all of his beauty, in all of his perfection, and seek forgiveness as we contemplate his goodness, his perfection, and his glory in his life. We recognize tonight, God, that without the perfect life of Jesus, there could be no substitutionary death. There could be no death on the there could be a death on the cross, but it couldn't be for us. And so we are grateful tonight, Lord, as sinners, we come before you. And I pray for those who are here who don't know Jesus. I pray that they would contemplate what it means to be sinners separated from you. And you might bring them to yourself tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.
At this time, the deacons are going to be distributing the bread that we just talked about, which depicts the perfect life of Jesus Christ. So we're going to take it together, those of you who choose to do so tonight. As it's being distributed, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you're still kind of working through that, that's okay. We're glad you're here. But we encourage you not to take the bread because this is, this is specifically and exclusively for those who have been born again into the family of God. So nobody's going to judge you for letting that plate go by you. Uh, but please, uh, just let it go by you if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. And if you do have a personal relationship with Christ, recognize that this is a very holy time. This is a time for self-examination, where you put your life up against Jesus' life, and when you do that, you lose every time. You ask for forgiveness for the things the Spirit of God reveals to you. And then you partake of, the, of those elements. If you're, The Bible gives very stern warnings to those who know Jesus but are unwilling to confess their sin. So this is a very serious moment. And take that to heart as the deacons now come and distribute the bread. The Bible tells us on the night in which Jesus would be betrayed, he ate with his disciples, and he took bread. And he broke it, and he distributed it amongst his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. once more.
when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus lived a life you couldn't live so you could have a life that wouldn't die. But he also died a death. He'd always planned so that you could have a life he'd always prayed for. Did you know Jesus prayed for you? Those of you who will trust him, have trusted him, will trust him, he prayed for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. In the story of Eric Little, contrary to the movie version, Eric Little did not discover that the the prelim heats were going to take place on Sunday, just a couple of days before he raced. That's the way the movie version had it. That he discovered these things just days before it all happened. The truth of the matter is, he knew about it in January. He knew about it nearly a half a year before he would actually race. And he quietly began to prepare for the 400 meter. It's like he'd planned the whole thing. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. Jesus said these words just hours before he would be betrayed, taken, tried, beaten, and eventually crucified. It's like he planned the whole thing. He told Judas around this table that he would betray him, and he did. It's like he planned the whole thing. He told the disciples that they would all flee, and they did. It's like he planned the whole thing. He told Peter specifically that before the night was over, he would deny him three times before the cock crowed. He did. It did. Like he planned 
the whole thing. And when Judas and the temple guard showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane, he looked at them and he said, this is your hour and the power of darkness. Like he'd planned the whole thing. And when he met his accusers, and they mocked him, and they beat him, and they called him to prophesy, and they called him to do this and do that, the Bible tells us that he was silent, and that's exactly as the prophet would have it in Isaiah 53, as a lamb before its shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. It's like he planned the whole thing. And when Pilate boasted before Jesus and said, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you? Jesus calmly looked at him and said, you would have no power unless it was given to you from above. Boom. It's like he planned the whole thing. And when the thief, with two of them hanging side by side, and when one of them looked at Jesus, having just hours before insulted Jesus, hurled insults at Jesus right along with the other one, but having seen Jesus for nearly six hours and seen him endure all of that onslaught of hatred and suddenly began to see his own guilt and his own need and, and, and saw that he deserved it, but Jesus didn't. When he saw all of that and his heart began to change, and he was changed when he said to Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus looked at him. This had to be inspiring to Jesus as well, huh? Just a couple of breaths away from dying. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Like he'd planned the whole thing. And then as he hung there on the cross, he said, it is what? It's finished. It is finished. It is paid for. That's what it means. I mean, is that what you say after a tragedy occurs in your life? After you trip and fall down a flight of steps, you say, it is finished. No. No. You wouldn't say that unless you'd plan the, the whole thing. Just before Eric Little ran the 400-meter race, he was expected to lose, but had been privately training for for a half a year. His masseuse inspired by his courage and his conviction, handed him a piece of paper. And when he opened it, it read, In the old book it is written, He who honors me, him I will honor. Which inspired Eric Little. Which, by the way, was the very thing he was already doing. Amen? Amen? He ran the race of his life and broke the world record, winning the gold and the adulation of men. 
Jesus ran the race of his life that would lead to a cross crucified by men and receive the exaltation of God himself. That's the reason why the Bible says God has therefore highly exalted him and has given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Things in heaven and things on earth, things under the earth. Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This was planned. This is good news. There has never been a greater drama than the passion of Jesus Christ. And while the drama won't save you, the person will. If, like the thief, you will turn to Jesus and say, remember me. Recognizing your sinfulness, his righteousness, and his love hanging on that cross for you and believe in him, you will spend eternity in paradise and glory and heaven. And it can be yours tonight. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Jesus said. Jesus died the death he'd always planned so that you could have the life he'd always prayed for. Jesus told his father in a prayer to him the night before he died, I'm praying for those who will believe in me. He has prayed for you. Now you pray to him. Go to him like the thief and believe and be saved. What makes the gospel good news? It covers your guilt. It conveys God's grace. And you can have it all tonight if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who have, this is a time of rejoicing, amen? Rejoicing in the remembrance of the blood of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And when you hold this cup, when, you, when the deacons distribute these cups and you take this cup and you hold it in your hand, you've already confessed your sin. Just rejoice in Jesus. Remember what he's done for you and thank him all over again. It's a cup of thanksgiving. And so thank Jesus Christ. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, once again, I invite you to do so. Like the thief, turn to Jesus, admit your guilt, ask for his grace, and it's yours for the taking. And if God has spoken to your heart and you want to receive him, then remember, it's already been planned. He's already prayed for you. And Jesus never prayed a prayer that wasn't answered. 
So believe him tonight and be born into his family. Deacons, would you come and we'll distribute the cup. Yeah. 
All God's people said, amen. The cross is where our victory is. The perfect life of Jesus depicted in the bread and the sacrificial blood of Jesus depicted in what you're holding in your hand, many of you at least. Jesus took the cup after supper, the Bible said, as we heard earlier, it said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What a great thought. Amen? I'm just going to take a few moments here before we sing again to say that what is it that makes the gospel good news? Well, it covers our guilt. It conveys God's grace, and it carries us in gratitude. That's what you just heard from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Dustin just read. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. That's Jesus Christ. Our lives, what, the, what, we say it's good news because, because it changes us. It changes our lives. It changes our outlook. We go in gratitude. Christians don't walk around with their heads down. Christians who know what has happened in the atonement and what Christ has done keep their heads up, not in pride, but in joy and in gratitude. And as we walk out of here tonight, we do so remembering that that which we're about to celebrate here in a couple of days all started right here. Where Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, died an awful death that we might repent and believe. The gospel. But the gospel isn't that he just died. It isn't a gospel if he stays in the, in the grave. Jesus rose again.
And that's the reason why we can go in gratitude. Because we do indeed serve a living Savior. And because He lives, you will live. If you know Him as your Savior. Throughout this room tonight, there are people who are suffering because there's somebody, somebody close to you this year died. And maybe it wasn't this year. Maybe it's been in the last couple of years. And times like this bring sorrow to your life because you're not going to see him. But if they knew Jesus, and you do too, you will see them again. That is a guarantee based on the word of God. Because the good news covers our guilt, conveys God's grace, and carries us in gratitude until the day Jesus, who rose again, comes back to take us to be with himself. Let's all stand. Sing one more song before we're done. Thank you for coming tonight. Jesus 
lived a life you couldn't live so that you could have a life that wouldn't die. And he died a death that he planned for so that you could have a life that he prayed for. And if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior tonight, we'd love to know about it. We'd love to encourage you. Now, you could let us know through this form of communication and texting, or we've actually provided a very special venue, and we'll have this venue on, on Easter Sunday morning as well. Uh, right by the Information Center, and just around the corner, is, uh, is a prayer room that uh, there are pastors and there are pastors' wives that are in the back uh, tonight, and they'll be there on Sunday as well, just to answer your questions, to take you aside and pray with you. If you have questions about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you trusted him tonight, we're, we're here to give you some materials and encourage you, and maybe you just say, you know, I, I still don't really understand what it means, and I'd sure like to know more. Again, that's why we're there. We'll give you some materials and encourage you, and all you have to do is walk out through those, that foyer, and there's an information center, and right by there, there, there will be some of those pastors and, and uh, some of the women in our, our church that will help you in that regard as well. Thanks for coming. Uh, as the old preacher once said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And it won't be dark in here on Sunday, and we're going to amp it up on Sunday. No apologies. We are going to sing to a resurrected God. Amen? Amen. 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 We invite you to our, any one of our three services are at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. And those of you who are part of Sailorville Church know the special plea that's gone out about coming to the first or third, right? Amen? I don't have to say that anymore. Okay. God bless you. And remember that uh, some of our pastors are in the back uh, waiting to talk with you, those of you who would like to talk about what it means to have a relationship with God. Have a great night. God bless you. And hope to see many of you on Easter morning.